0: Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek
1: It's Hey, this is Matt Lesher This is Phil Lamar
2: Hey, this is Rob McHillor aka the opinion Gotham. you are listening to Geek Vibes Live That was a hell of an intro, definitely say that.
1: Hey, what's going on guys? I'm sorry, I was talking for like two minutes with my mic muted, so I pulled a little bit of a rookie (laughs) mistake, but... What's going on, guys? This is Chris at Two Side Review and Geek Vibes Nation. We are at it again for another top ten, and this week we're going to talk about character motivations, comic book character motivations, and comic book film character motivations. This, this week's topic, guys, we're going to do a little bit more of um, a list, but not, we're not going to psychoanalyze our picks necessarily like we do in the other weeks. We're really just going to talk about our favorite moments. And, you know, what What made us fall in love with those moments, why we like those moments, why they're so dynamic, and we're going to throw it around with each other, and we're just going to kind of spitball it, keep a list just to keep it structured, but like I said before, we're not going to really go psycho about what the list and the structure looks like. But today, we have a new guy with us, Ryan. How are you doing, man? Welcome to the channel. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
2: Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Ryan here. I one want to say real quick, that intro was fucking amazing. I, I kind of laughed a little bit. I was like, bro, this show is really professional, and I dig it so much. But, uh, yo, what's going on, Chris? Nice for you guys to have me here. I'm excited, and I can't wait to jump into the top desk.
1: Yeah, we're excited to have you, too. That's a new intro for me. I haven't heard that one yet, and I was kind of getting goosebumps, too. That was really cool. So, big props to... The Geek Vibe guys, Juwan, Kanan, all those, everyone, all the contributors. We have You're a right. lot of people You're who right. work really hard to um, to to bring a lot of good geek stuff to everybody. And we try to, you know, get everyone's flavor. So Ryan is new to the Geek Vibes family. So we brought him on to kind of create a fourth balance to get a really kind of dynamic group to talk about these top tens. And Isaac's going to join us here in, in just a little bit. But so... Real quickly, let's just kind of jump into it, Ryan. I know I'm gonna put you in the hot seat right off the bat, but you're <laughs> the new guy, so let's see. Let me let's just start with your first character motivation. Like, what what character you got for us, and what kind of motivations do you have for us? So let's talk about it. Let's do. Uh, we'll start at number ten with you.
2: So, for my number ten pick, I had to think about this a little bit because I'm going to be honest. A lot of my list is going to be Marvel characters. I'm not a huge DC fan, and I'm I'm a big fan of movies in general, but a lot of great motivation just comes from superhero movies for me, and I want to name some, but they're more up in my list, so right now, I'm just going to say Iron Man. You've got this billionaire playboy philanthropist who gets these amazing abilities from his brain. Think about it. You've got this man who's got all the money in the world he can get any woman he wants with a flip of a dime and then miraculously after selling his weapons he gets into this accident where he has to get an arc reactor to keep him alive and it changes his vision of life and what life means so he takes what happens to him and starts this whole big thing of saving people in Afghanistan or all around the country just because his mindset just completely changed from the way his father treated him when he was a, a child and how his father was just this man who had a mission of working and never really cared about his son and pushed his son to the side and how all this money greed just overcame that anguish from his childhood. And he held it in, in all that pain and agony. And it caused him to be this really pitiful human being, in my opinion, from being this man who has a lot of money, sells weapons to arms dealers and stuff like that to the military, and just to see how he comes so close to death it just changes his life, and then to even forming the Avengers is just mind-boggling to me, Chris. Just mind-boggling.
1: Um, I'm going to have to agree with you. Um, when when I was doing research for uh, for this, and oddly enough, I found myself like going towards kind of like the villain or the anti-hero, um, like, tropes. But uh, Iron Man is something that I, I kind of go back to as well. Um, if you want to talk about someone's, like, clear character arc from, like, one person to the next and just totally changing their whole scope, their dynamic. And like you said before, their outlook on life gets completely changed with this light faltering event. And that's like, a, it's going to be like a main mantra, I think with our list Ryan and I think Iron Man definitely needs to be on this because of just the kind of the character that he is not, not only does he not have superpowers, but he, you know, he has a tragic upbringing, so to speak with, with the fact that his father wasn't really there. I wouldn't say he had a tragic upbringing. He had a silver spoon in his mouth, but it, it steered him on one path, and then all of a sudden, you know, one bad day uh, creates, you know, one of the one of Earth's mightiest heroes because of it, and you get, you know, a complete character 180. I kind of like that. That's, um, you know, in character building and storytelling. That's just, you know, the way that you kind of. That's like the building blocks. And Iron Man just, you know, it stands out to me. It definitely should be on this list. So yeah, let's let's keep Iron Man definitely at, at number ten. As we um, awesome. push forward on this list, anything else you want to you want to say real quick about his motivations? Like I like I, I understand like like if you go back to you know I I know that you're not a DC fan as much as as <laughs> I am I think and but, but I it,
2: I do I do know a lot about DC though even though I'm not a huge fan so you can tell me it's probably gonna relate to Batman right.
1: Oh, no. I mean, I, I don't want to tackle okay. – I mean, I do want to tackle Batman, but I really do think that everybody kind of understands his motivations uh, necessarily. Yeah. But we can get into that that battle e- either way. And, and Iron Man and Batman kind of follow a lot of the same tropes when it comes yeah, to character exactly. development. And So I kind of – I dig go, it.
2: I dig that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And, like, before we go any further, I do want to say that I did actually have Batman on my mind. But I did kind of favorite Iron Man over because of everything happening with the DC extended universe stuff. So I'm not gonna lie, I did favorite Iron Man a little bit. But that's just like a little quirk, real quick.
1: <laughs> All right, no, no worries. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally, I totally understand. And uh, that film for me, um, if if I was gonna rank my top superhero films personally, Iron Man. Um, is definitely on that. I really, uh, I I still dig it to this day. I think it holds it holds up. I I really do like um, Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal definitely. of that character. So he definitely, I think Iron Man definitely deserves to be on this list, especially with the resurgence, because those you know Iron Man wasn't really popular as as, as much as the other out. like the X Men. Yeah, so it really yes. you know it says a lot for the, the the characters that they used to start their Avengers series and what. Kevin Feige and Marvel did back when they got laughed at when they said that nobody's going to want to see. Right. It's, it's perfect. You're right. Definitely. Um, so you picked Iron Man as number 10 and I think I'm going to go with, um, just kind of keeping it low ranked. but I really, I really liked now not the comic book Killmonger. I don't really know too much about that character, but I really, I really liked Killmonger in the black Panther movie. Um, I just understood his motivations, um, however be it his, the way that he went about to going through with his motivations necessarily. I don't know if I agree with it, but there was something that was specific about that character. You just kind of understood the heartache, the anguish that he went through as a young man and and all the things, with witnessing his father and feeling like he's betrayed by this place that his father built up to being beautiful and wonderful and him not... You know him knowing at a young age that he might not be accepted, and then all of a sudden they finds out all about his heritage and his father is killed. Um, so it, it stings a kid. So he gets this. He gets this. So he's so pissed off, right? That he joins this. You know the the military becomes an elite killing machine. Just learns all these things. Spends years and years of his life training to kill and fight and everything, just so he can battle the Black Panther to take over the mantle of King of Wakanda to get revenge and then take it to one, he lets it consume him and, and that's what you know, makes him such a great relatable villain. And His motivations are kind of clear. Um, I mean, I begged, I, I would find it hard pressed to find somebody that would disagree with understanding why he is so angry and what he's doing is we can argue his tactics on whether or not he should be doing what he's doing. Cause you know, he kills people along the way, but Um, if you're ever put in a situation like he is, I think we as human beings, I don't know if we would react any differently, you know? So you kind of have a relatable feel to that character. And I like it because it brings the humanity back to the character. And I think Marvel is doing a great job with their villains as of late in the cinematic universe. So I'm going to say, I'm going to make a case for Killmonger being his motivations Definitely need to be on this top 10 list. Ryan, what do you think about Killmonger?
2: Uh, Chris, I definitely agree with your point of views and opinions on Killmonger. Killmonger was actually an amazing villain, and when I say amazing, I mean amazing. We have not seen a fantastic or great Marvel villain other than most Avengers movies since Black Panther, and I do want to say, other than the Hela from Thor Ragnarok, he is definitely one of the best solo outing villains in the MCU. I completely agree with you, but I think... Still do you think Iron Man's a little bit better just solely fa- on the fact that Tony Stark made the complete 180 from Playboy to just not giving a shit to being this superhero and icon to the world over the past 10 years. Where you have Killmonger, he had this devastating childhood where he saw his father get murdered or uh, he, he saw what happened. And then he finds out he's part of this very rich culture and that he was supposed to live up to the throne and now he's being outcasted because of what happened and how he becomes this killing machine through the army to get revenge. It just seems like it's too straightforward, if you know what I mean. Like he has this childhood very bad. Then he wants to take revenge on the people who did him wrong. But, it's a very straightforward in that a complete 180 that just takes a complete right turn, if you know what I mean, or left turn. But I do agree with what you're saying on Killmonger, Chris. I do agree.
1: Um, you're right. It is it, it is a pretty straightforward kind of like revenge style. Um, I think the reason why I like it so much is because maybe the actor's portrayal of it, I think he did a really good job, um, just the attitude yeah. and and his presence. Um, you're right. It's um, and, and I think a lot of my picks. You're probably going to say that, but there's just something I guess inside of me because I am a big kind of vigilante, dark kind of fan. I do I do love the lightheartedness of it. I do like the fact that you know Tony does good He turns 180. You're 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 spot on with the fact that Killmonger doesn't even like become a good guy. You know what I mean? He just he basically to the end is a, a complete dick. And 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 maybe it's because you know not to get I didn't have a tragic upbringing but I you know I was adopted and I I you know did have a little bit of a rough start to my childhood but it ended off you know awesome and and I can't complain but I guess I kind of feel for people who feel angry to their bones and don't know exactly what to do with that and um and then having and then all of a sudden having resources to do something about it and then doing something about it even when somebody doesn't give them the green light. And I've been angry to a point where I've seen shit with blinders on like Killmonger who just, you know, I'm going to get some, you know, vengeance. And that's just the way it's going to be. It's not healthy. not at all. Uh, But you're right. It's, it's one dimensional character. And, you know, just, you know, if we were going to argue this, I would totally bring it down and put Iron Man down at number, um, number, I'll bring Iron Man up to number nine and number 10 for the sake of, you know, just arguing the semantics of the, um, 10, the 10 list. But, I I agree with you. Um, But, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. So any quick rebuttals on Killmonger? We'll just leave them on the list and kind of let Isaac. When Isaac comes back in, hopefully we can refresh the list and maybe we can do a little bit of shuffling just for the fun of it. How do you feel about that?
2: I just want to say, after you told me you were adopted, I can see a whole better spectrum about how Killmonger relates to you and why you put him on your list. And I completely understand, by the way. I you No, see how, yeah, I how mean,
1: how yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, and I, I think I just brought that up, i d you know, not to just you know bring it up for the sake of it, but I thought it, it it made sense to kind of figure out you know where I was coming from with my picks, and you're gonna probably see that, and I do understand. um as the night goes on understand. yeah, yeah, so yeah, a bit but all in all fairness that you know I see your points, it is very one sided character. And you know, I'd love to hear I'd love to hear Isaac's point of views when he comes back on. But um, so, just keeping with the list right now, I think we're we're at number eight right now, and that's back to you, my friend. So what you got?
2: All right, my number eight spot, man. This one, this one's almost gonna be like my Iron Man one, but it's gotta be Gamora with Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, when we first meet Gamora in the first Guardians movie back in like 2014, I think you see her as Thanos' like little girl assassin bitch, almost. Like, he tells her what to do, she'll go and do it. And as the film progresses, you start seeing how she's like, I've been doing these things for a man who claims to be my father after being taken from my actual parents, doing these horrible and terrible things for an Infinity Stone that I don't even completely get what it does yet, from what we know. But... She joins the Guardians because she believes that what her quote-unquote father is doing is completely wrong. As you progress through Guardians Volume 2 and then Avengers Infinity War, you really see a more deep dive into it between her battle with Nebula and who is the better sister and who is the better opponent better assassin in Thanos' eyes. And you see all these terrible upbringings after Gamora was taken From her family Uh, I don't really remember where she's from But from her home planet And how she was turned into this Mercenary killing assassin machine To the point where she pretty much made Her opposite sister Into 95% Mechanical Because she brutally just destroyed her And then we see In Avengers Infinity War Through flashbacks How Thanos just completely massacred her in half of the population of her planet, including her mother, just to take her and learning how balancing life is a big part of his ideas. And just to see her with that upbringing and then completely 180 him (laughs) like uh, Tony Stark did and go against him to the point where she thought she actually killed him in Avengers Infinity and was willing to die So he wouldn't know where the final infinity stone was to save the universe speaks volumes to me, showing how she went from this complete daddy's girl to killing anybody he wanted to sacrificing her own life just to make sure he wouldn't destroy the universe or half the universe. And that's why she's my number pick.
1: It's very interesting. And, um, you in is another pick that you know where a character kind of starts off one way and, and flips around to to the other. And there's, I love the character of Gamora, there's some uh, interesting things, and I, I think Zoe Zeldana does a great job um, with bringing her to life. And they flushed her out, you're right, they really did kind of flush her out um, more so in not so much in Guardians 2 as they did it in um, Infinity George War. Yeah, and um, th- you know you're right. She has a, tra- a you know just as tragic upbringing as anybody that's going to make this list. Yeah, you're right. And wh- what's a little off to me is I'm 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 wondering. I'm trying to put pieces together in my head. Like, did she just go along with the teachings and the the training with Thanos just so she can get to a point where she can go, okay, I have the ability now to get these stones and keep them away from this psycho, or did she at one point buy into that shit? And become a part of the Black Order, was she really one of Thanos's puppets, or was she always just silently waiting to be at, at at a certain point? And that's kind of where we pick up with her at Guardians, where she's trying to, you know, she admits that, you know, we find out that she admits an Infinity War that she kept, you know, the other Stone a secret, so she was trying to get the other the Power Stone in, um, Guardians. So I I mean if if they would give us a little bit more of like her younger years, if she really was buying into Thanos's psychotic idea of balancing the universe, Um we're going to get into that a little bit later. I'll just tell you that right now. But, um, you know, I think I would, I would put her, I would rank her a little bit lower personally than number eight if we're going to bring her up, but it's it's an interesting pick. And she is, um, one of the few characters I think that has a pretty interesting character arc in the MCU. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I like the pick for Gamora. Um, anything else you wanted to add about her, real quick, or disagreements I mean, with me?
2: <laughs> uh, not so much a disagreement, but more of a overseeing kind of. But I do agree with what you were saying with um, how you don't know what her real intentions are, whether she actually believes him or if she's just playing along to a certain point. And I thought mm-hmm. exactly that to myself until I saw an Avengers: Infinity War. Cause you, This is for spoilers, just in case no one's seen it. But the very pivotal well, point... If
1: you're a geek and you're listening to this and you haven't seen Infinity War, I'm going to have to ask you to send me your geek card. It's been <laughs>
2: revoked. You going, never know. There's some, there's some people out there. There's some people out there. But um, like I was saying, you get to the point where Thanos, Gamora, and Red Skull are on top of the, the rock, the mountain. And you, that's when you really see the true emotion between the characters. You see how Thanos has to um sacrifice someone he quote-unquote loves and Gamora standing there is not realizing that he actually loves her because he threw her through hell and back trying to make her this great assassin killing machine. And you see while he's looking at her and crying realizing that he has to kill her You see her shed a little tear, too. Now, you could say that it is out of fear, but I feel like you go back to the other scene when they went to go for the reality stone on Nowhere, that she cried just killing him. So I think, in my eyes, that shows that she actually did care for him at a certain point and that she's sad that she's trying to kill her, quote-unquote, father.
1: Wow. Wow. That's an awesome point, and you know, I'm looking back as you're talking. I'm like, wow, you know, you're you're absolutely right. But it it, it being film, man, so it's open to interpretation. And the first time I saw, exactly. I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like, okay, she's crying. You know, it, when she's battling him at nowhere. First off, I didn't believe that for a fucking second. That was way too easy. <laughs> but nobody did, right? But so I'm thinking, is she crying Somebody because oh my, oh my god, it's it's finally over? Is, or is she crying because she actually part of him? You know, she she was heartbroken a little bit because a part of her actually loved him in some way. And then you're, you're right back on the, the mountain with Red Skull and, the, you know, the sacrifice and us finding out that, in you know, in spite of how crazy Thanos is, he actually did love her. And, and that whole scene kind of, you're right. It does tell you a lot more about their relationship. I think it was maybe a love, hate relationship. You know, maybe she kept yeah. that necessarily from him in the younger, days of the training and stuff like that but I think as things got worse and she got older and realizing that he's not going to change his ways he's still going from planet to planet and he's not going to change he's hell bent on doing something that he thinks is noble or whatever and that just doesn't sit well with her and it it's great character motivation for her to want to to um you know hightail and keep that you know keep those stones away from him and then you know her running into the guardians kind of is her kind of Tony Stark moment of getting blown up, you know, having the convoy get attacked. She has that moment running into Peter Quill and and um, Thor's friend, Tree. Um, so, and then, and then, so it kind of changes her arc. Yeah, so I like that. It's, it's, it's good, and you're right, it brings up, you know, uh, like I said, another interesting MCU character who, um, I don't know if she was how she was really in the comics, if I'm being completely honest with you, Neither I do really I got I into Guardians. Worry. And I kind of don't care, because for me, that's my version. I like her the way she is, and I think the character's doing a great job. And I'm I'm really excited to see how they, you know, bring her back, so to speak. But, you know, you could arguably say that, you know, in, in Infinity War was, was really about, in some strange way, was about love and also... To what extent are you willing to go to see to seeing to see to fruition what you feel so passionately needs to happen? And you see it from, from the total Morris side of needing to stop him, and you see it from uh, the other hero side of needing to stop him, and then you see it from his point of view, like if you don't do this, we're all screwed, and I'm going to be the bad guy. I I use air quotes with Thanos, with bad guy, because. If the physics work in their universe and him, you know, erasing half of all life throughout the universe somehow prolongs life and lets it continue, Um, that's just something, you know, that's a whole other topic. But there are life moments throughout history and not just comic book history but human history where bad things had to happen in order to save millions and that, you know, is that person necessarily a bad guy? So, you know, it's it's a philosophical debate along with a, a character debate, so I'll stop ranting right now, Ryan, but I think Gamora <laughs> definitely deserves to be on this list, man.
2: Awesome. I'm glad you agree, man. Anybody there?
1: I'm sorry, Ryan. You still with me? Yeah. I don't know what happened. Sorry. I don't know what happened either. Uh, My earpiece wasn't in all the way. I I must have had it muted. I apologize. Anyway, so let's just do a quick recap. Number 10, we have Iron Man and his motivations. Number 9, we have Eric Killmonger and his motivations. And we just recently talked about Gamora and her motivations and just to be just let everybody know we are talking about um, the film incarnations of those characters sprinkled in a little bit with their comic book orient, or, origins as well so we're going to come back at number seven and I'm I kind of we'll just kind of because we're leading into it let's talk about Thanos I want to bring up Thanos and his motivations and uh, particularly the motivations that we've been setting up in the MCU and getting a chance to pretty much showcase what Thanos' his real motivations were in Avengers Infinity War. Um, it's another one of those kind of, um, like I was saying before, relatable in certain aspects of why his motivation is the way that it is and understanding that, you know, what his character has been through, his his. Knowledge and the fact that you know his planet ignored him, and he saw all this devastation because of it. And then he, you know, he made the conscious decision that he's never going to let that happen again, um, because nobody uh, had the will to do it. And he felt he felt like it was necessary. And I, and in some weird way, I mean, I can be interpreting this wrong, Ryan, but I don't think Thanos, and I can be, is necessarily a cold-blooded killer necessarily, as he's just completely blinded. By his anger, and his uh, just his his need to kind of balance everything, and that he's just so hung up on that to a point where he's almost blind to the tools that he needs to use to get the job done. And when you're set on a reckless path, even in real life, you know does the end justify the means? Is it is a, a clear cut you know example of in Thanos's eyes? Yes, I guess it does. But, you know, we were saying before that history is shrouded with these moments of, of men making these decisions, so to speak. And sometimes there, you know, someone has to be the bad guy, and this is the only way to do it. And for him, he definitely feels like this is the only way to do it. So, um, you know, I can kind of relate to having, like I said before, that blind ambition and that vengeance or anger to your bones or what have you, whatever whatever your motivation is, sometimes it could just be to get whatever. And it's just kind of just you see tunnel vision. And Thanos just can completely see tunnel vision and doesn't care about anything else. Just he wants to get the lean to, to his end. And I think that, that builds up a really interesting dynamic character. And like we were talking before, I think Marvel is doing a very good job of flushing their characters out. Not so much in the early phases because a lot of you know, superheroes fighting the, the exact opposites of themselves so to speak and that was kind of boring Um, but Thanos in that film you know I didn't you know I didn't necessarily you know like him heck no I wanted him to be defeated but there's a part of me that liked him and it was like oh man this is a cool character someone who was like not necessarily an out and out villain but he's another creature of a product of his environment so to speak you know where I'm getting
2: at with that I see exactly what' you're getting. Couldn't agree more with you, to be honest. I thought the exact same thing as Thanos. The one thing that every MCU film has noticed so far, but actually just villains in general, they are the heroes of their own story, and we have to see it in their perspective, because when we see heroes, we see, like, Iron Man and Hulk. What if they could be the villains, too? What if them stopping what could be disastrous really could be helping? That's always an argument I've had, and I've never really said it too much, but they're the heroes of their own story. Yeah, and and going along with what you're saying, the heroes of their
1: own story, which means like history, it's it's like history. It's always written inside of the victors, Well, you know, just for a quick history lesson. I'm a teacher, but in England, they don't necessarily teach the American Revolution the same way that we learned the American Revolution, you know, because we won, so to speak, if that's what you want to call it, but it's always in the, in the same with the superheroes. It's always about you know, in the eyes of a Sokovian. I mean, personally, as much as I would love this, you know, the Avengers. But if if, if they came to save my city and they destroyed half of it in the process and everything I and I lost people I loved, I would. Turn I'd be on bad, them.
2: too. I'd,
1: I'd be pissed. I would. And I bad. love how. Yeah, they're bringing it. They're bringing that in because it's perspective. It's all in how you see it. Now, maybe somebody in China who's nowhere near it goes, "Oh my God! Thank God for the Avengers." those poor suckers oh well. But then you go, you got Baron Zemo, he's you know, he was created. His motivation was out of that same devastation. So you're right, it's all about forced perspective and you're right. They are the heroes of their own stories. But you know, to quote Batman, I think in in a real realistic situation in, in life, just think about all the people, celebrities that we put on pedestals and they've been, you know, turned out to be, you know, not who we think they are, and they get you know, taken down, and now all of a sudden they're the villain. Now Harvey Weinstein, you know, Bill Cosby, just to name a few And all that team that's going yeah. on with that, whatever You know, you live long enough, uh, you know, you die a hero You live long enough to see yourself become a villain and, and, and a lot of these superheroes, like, you know, like I said Like you said, it's all about what side you look at them And, and what point of view you do see them at Totally,
2: Chris, totally Oh, um, I think, I think,
0: I think have we Isaac. Got our... Yeah. Oh,
1: Is Isaac, Isaac, are you there? there? Hi, guys. How are you? Hey, hey Isaac. How you doing, man? <laughs> Pretty
0: good. I'm sorry I'm late, boys, but what are we talking about? <laughs>
1: we just got finished. Well, we're just in the middle of talking about Thanos, but how much of it did you catch up, uh Did you catch and We can recap it real quick. We'd love to get I your, haven't your
0: perspective. I haven't yeah, I haven't caught up a bit, unfortunately. I literally just walked out of work. <laughs> okay, no worries. Um, Ryan, this is Isaac.
1: Isaac, this is Ryan.
0: Hey, Ryan, nice on? to meet you, bro. Nice, meet okay, you, man. So nice to
1: where
2: meet
1: we're... you. Okay, right, so where we're at right now is we have number ten, Iron Man. Okay. Okay. We have number okay. nine okay. is Eric Eric Killmonger.
0: Ooh. Very good. I, I agree all day. I don't even need an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: number eight is Gamora, and um, I'm, a, I'm gonna fight,
0: fight
1: in, that we, later. We, so it's cool. We're, we got that, and, and uh, I just brought in number seven as Thanos because I thought Gamora kind of led into Thanos, and Thanos is gonna be one I think that we're really gonna really hammer in. So you called it at a great time. I just uh, really did, man. gave my pitch for Thanos, and I was going to Ryan. So let's go to Ryan real quick, and then we'll come right back to you. Isaac, that sound good? For sure. Let's do it. I'm ready. All right, Ryan. I just talked about Thanos. So what, how do you feel about it, man? Go ahead.
2: I couldn't agree with you more, Chris, to be honest. Honestly, Thanos is one of the best villains in the MCU because you can see where the guy is coming from. He's heartbroken that all of his people are dying, and if he doesn't do something about it, everyone's going to die. And then he knows he has to make the sacrifice. It's either everyone or half of everyone. Which one is worse? But not everyone will see that, because you're still killing millions of people. That's how everyone sees it, is you're still killing millions of people, even though you're saving millions more. Now... The universe is a bit excessive. I'm not gonna lie, but like I said before, when Isaac wasn't here, the villain is the hero in their own story. The way they perceive things, especially Thanos, is he seeing he's saving half the universe. He's not killing half the universe. Now the Avengers, they're like, nah, fuck that. We 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 want to keep this other half here," but. They don't completely understand what he's been through because this is not the first time he's done this. This has got to be, like, his second time doing this because think about Titan. That planet is fucked up, man. It is completely screwed. It's off its axis. Everything's floating around solely because he tried to save his own people. And then you see this man or... Thing, or whatever he is, alien, a second chance at doing it. Now, when have you ever done something in your life that you regret, but you have a second chance at doing it over and doing it the correct way? Very rarely. That's how you I have
1: see have opportunities in life to get that. And Thanos is right. Like, I'm hopping on what you're saying. And Thanos gets a second chance. And he's like, well, I'm not going to let it. You know, I'm a filmmaker and I don't get second chances very often. So when I get one, I go back. Falls out, man. I, I summon courage if I'm sick of my stomach exactly. and nerves. I don't care. I don't get them very often. Life doesn't give you very many second chances. And Thanos took his and ran with it. You know. So, yeah, I agree with you. Isaac, how do you feel about Thanos? And we'll get to you how you feel about the rest of the list here in a second. But how do you... Is it Thanos? Thanos? How the, how the, hell, how the hell do you say it's, I don't know. I say Thanos. I'm, it's, I'm pretty sure it's I'm pretty sure Thanos.
0: Thanos. Yeah. I feel pretty Thanos. sure it's fan-off, but I could fan-off.
1: Fan-off?
0: fan I'm down with it. I'm down with it. I like that. <laughs> all right, Isaac. It's all you, man. <sighs> all right. Um. Okay, so I'll have to agree with that. Uh. I I would definitely put Thanos at number seven. Um. I wouldn't put Thanos really any higher in terms of character motivation, though, because I see too many... I suppose I see too many flaws with his point of thinking, but in terms of motivation and, and like MCU motivation, uh, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's the best out there in the MCU. I don't even think it's second best, but it is more concentrated. And I like the I, I like the reasoning that Thanos is like he went on this entire crusade to essentially regulate the universe and very rarely have I ever seen that I I like I kind of liked it in the comic book version when he was just you know trying to you know he was was trying to court death and everything I'm kind of sad they took that out in in this in this continuity but I think it's a pretty good I think it's a pretty good standout honestly because Thanos is Thanos is a little bit more complicated than people would like to believe that he is. When I watched Infinity War, I had a whole bunch of people coming off saying, "Well, he wasn't that complicated. He was pretty simple. He just wanted to. Ha- he just wanted to have the universe gone so the resources would come back." Blah 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 blah. But it's the journey that it's the journey in, in getting to that end goal that matters. I think, and the fact was, I, I remember in the theater when I had seen Thanos crying. I, I, I was in the exact same mindset as Gamora. I, I thought he was crying over the fact that he was not going to see his dream through. I don't, know if, I don't know if that was the wisest thing to think, but I did. And I was right there with Gamora when I was like, oh, the tears aren't for him. And it made me realize that he has, he has fought. And he didn't just do this as a spur-of-the-moment thing. I see too many villains nowadays
1: Oops, I think we lost Isaac for a second. Uh, I,
0: think
1: we, I think we lost Isaac. But he yeah. was uh, he was on to something. Like you know, oh. we'll talk about that real quick as he comes back um, on. Um, when when Thanos was crying, like I mean, I wasn't I I didn't believe for one second that Thanos was crying because he couldn't have his Infinity So That would put him in a different category of villains for me. But uh, I was you know I I agree with what he was going at where he was saying Isaac, are you still are you with us, man? on, let me see a i I'm
0: so sorry.
2: <laughs> hey man, no worries. <laughs> keep
0: keep um, going. You're doing great. Yeah. Um. You're talking so about yeah, and just, yeah, Yeah, thank you. Um. So yeah, when he when he started crying, I realized that Thanos was a complex character because it wasn't in that in that particular moment he was thinking about the end goal, but he was also kind of considering not going through with it, and I I saw that. It was, a, it, was, it was very brief, I think, but there was a brief moment where Thanos kind of broke his resolve. And I thought, when have I seen MCU villains exactly break a resolve? When have I seen them have such high hopes set out and then even consider, you know, throwing them out and then making the ultimate decision I think Thanos' motivation is deep I don't I mean, it may not be good in my opinion but it's deep it's it, it, it resonates this guy ventured through galaxy after galaxy manipulating person after person causing genocide after genocide all in the name of preservation I think that's pretty tight honestly so yeah I, I definitely see why you guys would say Thanos belongs here. Like I said, I don't think he deserves any higher than that, but pretty good for a number seven spot, I think, if I say so myself. And no, I think we found that number to...
2: seven spot.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to kind of
1: agree yeah. with you, and I'll throw it back to Ryan real quick for a rebuttal in a second because, um, you know, you're right. He Very rarely do we see a character have like that moment, you're right, where he had a split second where, where he could have where he was thinking about what he was going to do and the consequences of it. And then he snapped. I think that's when he just, when he decided to kill Gamora, he was in it to win it, so to speak. You know what I mean? He was committed. Yeah. To right then and there, if there was any kind of, you know, doubt in his mind, it was fucking over right then and there. And that was a very powerful scene. Like slow motion, watching him drag her and her say, that's not what love is." I mean, you're not a human being with a fucking soul if that didn't hit you right in the feels, And it totally did. And I'm like, is he going to do it? No, he's throwing around. off <laughs> Oh shit. He's going to do it. He did it. I mean, holy mother of God, he just did it. And, you know, part of me, you know, maybe I'm thinking about this too much, but I just love, you know, going into my movies and, 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 and just escaping. And I felt, I felt that every second of that whole scene. I felt every second of it. Ryan, um, final Indeed. thoughts on Thanos?
2: Um, yeah, I can't agree with the both of you more. The, the sound and the volume that the scene with Gamora and him on the, the cliff as he's dragging to throw her off and her screaming, this is not what love is, the pure emotion that has and carries is fantastic. I never thought that I'd sympathize with a guy mass genociding half the universe Because you're seeing this broken man after seeing everyone in his planet just die after not listening to him. Killing the one person, the little one person he's only cared about for that second chance that I just mentioned. Because you never get that second chance again, usually. And he was in it to win it, even if it meant killing his own daughter. That's what I have to say. Yeah, it's
1: yeah, that's some that's some it's some deep shit once you get into it. But you know, to be fair, guys, it is a very one-dimensional character. And you know, a, a, you know, say what you want about the motivations, but I think this this kind of is going to be somewhat of an ongoing theme with the list. But since we have Isaac back, I want to throw I want to throw and I want to see what he what he has in store for us. So, what do you have for number six? And real quickly, are we going to ever talk about the crow at, at all
2: tonight? <laughs> I, man,
0: I wish I could. It was like when I first saw the crow, I was younger, and so it didn't hit me the way i, I think it would have if I had watched it when I was older i i I should go back and rewatch it. I'm going to I'm actually really disappointed that the reboot, with Jason Momoa got cancelled, It got cancelled yeah, yeah, it did they're not they're not greenlining it sorry,
2: damn
1: it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a letdown. But we we definitely have to we put it. it like, if you want like if you want to talk about motivation, like crow definitely needs to be on this list. But I'm not gonna talk. That's 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 for my pick if I ever get to it. But Isaac, it's all about you at number six. So what you
0: got for, for us? us? Number six for comic character motivations. Um, if we're gonna hit with the number six spot, oh, goodness, I'm so sorry. I'm a little frazzled this one. Well, I'm a little frazzled this evening. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Don't be so hung
1: up on the spot necessarily Just give us a great one that you like We're not really nitpicking the the list necessarily This is more of like a discussion of our top favorites We're listing it out just to keep the format alive
0: That's fair enough Too much, yeah So I think then if if that's what we're going to talk about I am going to go ahead and talk about something I haven't been able to talk about for a while And it's um, the... It is Peter Parker, uh, specifically from Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, And I'm going to talk about, I want to talk about Peter. I know you guys, you guys were probably, one of you had it, huh?
2: (laughs) Bro, he was at my number one spot. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I love oh, <laughs> Why? <laughs> why? I was so excited to make him my number one and explain it, and you go and fuck it up. Oh. I know. <laughs>
0: I'm awful. for like,
2: I'm still going to say what I have to say, though, so be my guy. Oh, yeah, I'll bring you, I'll bring you it. a rebuttal.
0: But let's hear Isaac out. Yeah, let's All hear right. Isaac first. So, I like Peter Parker's motivations in in Spider Man Homecoming because I felt like it was a much better interpretation of what Spider Man actually stands for. Now I know we had a big discussion last week about all of the you know, all of my problems with the Sam Raimi films and all that other stuff. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on a tangent and say and go with that again. We already know my stance. But the one <laughs> thing I did appreciate about just about in in Sam Raimi's Uh, Spider-Man film, is that Spider-Man was given a pretty decent motivation, but I didn't... Something always bugged me about the way they used um, with, with great power comes great responsibility. There's always been something about that phrase that kind of bothered me about why. Because he wasn't really doing anything for the sake of anyone up until Uncle Ben kind of guilt tripped him into it. I mean, he was, but not in this, not in the greater sense of things. And I enjoy that in Homecoming, Peter was already out to save people. It's what he decided to do. And, and maybe, maybe there's a scene that we haven't seen. Maybe he got, he also got hit with that great power comes great responsibility crap. But I think what, what I liked about Homecoming was because it turned it kind of turned that phrase on its head because in order to, in order to understand great, great power, he had to take responsibility first. And I think that was really important because he had great power and he kind of he kind of abused it at at first in the film. He used Spider-Man's name and image for um, personal, for personal gain and use. He hacked the spider suit when Tony specifically pretty much told him not to. And so having that taken away from him later on, when Tony took the suit and said, hey, man, that was reckless. You could have died. Other people could have died. You don't deserve this right now. And as much as anyone might disagree, Tony was right. He didn't, de- he didn't deserve it then. And he only learned how to deserve such power later on when he was kind of forced to use his own power. He had great power the whole time, but he had to figure out why he was using it. And he had to figure out why he was really using it. And I liked that they made Peter kind of go on a motivational journey with himself in homecoming. And, um, I just, I I think that's so inspiring. I think I, I love that so much. And it's why I attach, to Spider-Man. I I attach to just about every incarnation of Spider-Man there is, but Spider-Man: Homecoming really knocked it out of the park for me. So that's what I got for you guys. What do you think? Um,
1: me personally, I'll go to Ryan in just a second. I'm I'm sure it's going to be interesting. Um, uh, I I I agree with you. Um, I, I you know I'll say what you know Sam Raimi for me. I think there's just something special because it just you know I was a teenager and it was just. A, you know, really cool, kind of refreshing um, kind of a film back then. So I have nostalgic reasons why I like it. I like Toby's uh, Peter. I don't like his Spider-Man. So, you know, you give and take what you want, and we won't even talk about the, the amazing Spider-Man and all those. But one thing I want to say about Homecoming that really hit home with me was um, the scene where Peter Parker is getting crushed by that boulder, you know, where Spider and he, and he's just like coaching himself, you know, over and over again. It's just a very pivotal and emotional scene for me, and it kind of tells you a little bit about Peter's resolve as he's going through his, his changes. And you're right, it doesn't. That film does a very good job of kind of breaking him down and kind of figuring out, okay, who who Peter is. And as far as we know, you're right. He just decided to to get these powers and he wants to do good, he just kind of takes it upon himself to do it. We don't really know exactly what the linchpin was to make him don his, like, prototype suit. Um, You know, he says he has those those, um, powers for, like, six months or something like that, and they don't really tell us about Uncle Ben. So uh, I I think definitely Spider-Man definitely needs to be on this list. I'm not going to argue about his placement necessarily, but he's definitely online. Ryan, what do you think about Spider-Man, the homecoming Spider-Man?
2: More okay, I, I hope you're ready for this So I'm not going to lie, I'm a bit disappointed I'm not going to be, be talking about number one But I'm going to put it in the reference of why I thought he'd be number one But, so you have Spider-Man And Chris, I like how you explained with the Sam or Amy edition How when you were a teenager, that came out So it spoke to you Same case with me with the homecoming Spider-Man Because I'm actually 18 so I can relate to him the most, I think, out of most of us because I just got out of high school, and I know what it's like being in high school in New York City too because I also live in Manhattan. So I find, I find it kind of crazy here and there, and I can relate to him, relate to the kid. I can not relate to him where I lost both my parents and my uncle within a few years, but I can definitely relate to him. You see this distressed kid who gets these amazing powers accidentally and then abuses them because he doesn't know what to do with them. And he might have done that bullshit speech of with great power comes responsibility shit from Uncle Ben before he died. But you see the father figure of Tony Stark come in. You see in Civil War how he's just showing Peter the clips of him saving people miraculously, catching the car and holding it on the side of a bus like as a piece of paper and you see in Civil War how Tony starts trying to go like they, they grow a little bit of a connection with each other because they're almost one and the same. Tony metaphorically didn't have parents, but they were physically still there. Meanwhile, Peter still had no parents who actually weren't there. So they got to relate on that level, and it grew Peter to have an attachment to Tony Stark that eventually led up to him, wanting to be almost an Iron Man X character, hence the Iron Spire suit and the suit that Peter gets in Homecoming. And throughout Homecoming, uh, you see Tony saving his ass so many times because he's still just a kid trying to figure out his way in life and how to save people just like the Avengers do, but he can't do that because he doesn't have enough experience. So eventually when Tony saves everybody on the ferry in Homecoming, and takes away Peter's suit, that's when it really hit home for me. Because you finally realize that a, a hero is only a hero not because of his suit, not because of what they wear. Tony Stark is not Iron Man because he can shoot laser blasters out of his armor. He's Tony Stark because of his mind. It's what it's who you are, not what you become, to me, to be honest. And you, that really just hit me because... Throughout the whole third act of Homecoming, you see Spidey in that really rugged costume he made out of his closet. And going to that scene where he's crushed by the rubble just shows that it is his inner will and strength to be this bigger, better person, not being this teenager just using his powers to get on by in life. So he pushes himself up. And gets out of the rock when he realizes that the hero that's coming to save him is himself. And then I digress a little bit more in Infinity War because he's going on a field trip. And he notices that Ebony Maw and Cole Obsidian come to New York City to get the Time Stone from Doctor Strange. And he instantly jumps into action. But he doesn't know that Tony's there, Dr. Strange. He's going at his own free will from what it looks like to save the day for the younger person. And then he eventually follows Tony up into space because he's trying to save the, the neighborhood to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man that he is in the comics and the, the, the person that we all know and love. And the end of Infinity War really put a nail in the coffin for me. You see Throughout three films, these two characters building this father-son relationship without them even realizing it come to a close when after the finger snap, everyone starts fading away. And the final person to fade away is Tony Stark, non-biological, non-knowing son disappear right in front of him as a connection. And Tony has lost a lot with his parents realizing that one of his teammates, the best friends, killed his parents, and having his son just disappear in his hands. The pure emotion of, of Peter crying, saying he's sorry that he didn't listen to him because he was trying to be an Avenger. It just speaks to me. It really shows how a kid goes from being this nonchalant, quote-unquote hero, of using his powers for everyday life and saving a few people here and there, to seeing this more monarch power, Tony Stark, being this true hero coming from this billionaire Playboy philanthropist life, change and save the world. And that's
0: what I got to say. Dang, Ryan, that was very insightful. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, you took the words right out of my mouth, Isaac. Uh, for an 18-year-old kid, you're pretty damn articulate with your words, my friend. Right. And, you got it. And you're spot on. I think um, there's you know, there's a lot of character development in both spider mans Sam Rabies version and this one. But the Homecoming... I think it's a little bit more relatable. And I think you're right. You know, you can relate to him in the beginning of that film thinking it's like, it's really cool that I'm hanging out with Tony Stark and I'm an Avenger. Look at me because I'm a little, I'm a kid and this is exciting. And it's a little, you know, I'm a little bit in, in over my head, but I'm really excited and gung ho. And then all of a sudden reality hits him in the ass on the fairy scene and he realizes, oh crap, you know, I'm, you know, I'm over here playing with matches, but I can really burn shit down if I don't, you know. You know, there's really bad stuff and evil going on, and Tony's the only way that – he looks up to Tony, and Tony's only the way that he is because of all that battle-hardened, life-tested shit, and he just doesn't know about it. And he gets a taste of it through that film, and he, it gets a great arc going on. I think his motivation, the character of Spider-Man, Peter Parker, motivation, you know, what you want to say about film and comic books, I just think that he definitely needs to be on this list for for his motivations. In general, Isaac. Real quick, do you have anything else you want to add to Spider-Man: Homecoming or Spider-Man in general uh, list?
0: I don't think I've got any. I don't think I've got anything else, honestly. I think whatever I had. I think whatever I had to say earlier, Ryan kind of said it for me, so
2: <laughs> I,
0: uh, I got nothing else. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm trying to think about. Oh, what wow, I can add to that? Well, I don't really Wait. think I can. He <laughs> does a very good I can one more
2: thing. Surprisingly, all right, go ahead. I can go ahead. So, an appreciation I just took to the film in general is the emotion and his um his rude awakening doesn't come from the source of Uncle Ben, which I appreciate so much because you see, Me the amazing Spider Man and the Sam Raimi Spider-Man universe is it's been the same motivation. He watches his uncle die, and we're just like, well, shit, that, that's a good motivation, I guess. But we've seen it back and forth, back and forth, and I'm just like, uh, yeah, how much of this bullshit are we just going to keep seeing? Because it's just the same story retold with a better budget and different actors. But with this, you see a bond between multiple films, you don't have this man on the screen for 10 minutes and then die randomly when you already know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, and I think yeah. they did it, like, you see, yeah, um, it, it's like with Batman. Like, we all know his tragic story, but uh, to be fair, he is part of his lore. It's part of Batman, who he is, and with, I think when Marvel got the chance to use Spider-Man again, I think they did something very unique. It's almost like Kevin Feige did when he, rebooted, when, he, when he started in 2008 with Iron Man thinking the shared universe shit, right? He did something yeah. that hasn't been done. They're like, okay, these guys know his origin. I'm not going to fucking give it to them. I'm just going to give them Spider-Man. Everybody knows. They, they're assuming we know the character, and we all do. That's why I think he, he works. Tom Holland works. I think that's why that character um, Tom was well-written great actor. Yeah. I think he does an amazing job, but I think that you're right. We all know, you know, Uncle Ben and he hints at it. We don't need to really know more than that. And we're also getting a different kind of motivation for Peter Parker and that character because you know, we all the the reason why you were talking about the Sam Raimi and then you have the um the amazing Spider-Man. That's all centered around Peter uh, and Uncle Ben. Which is, you know, to to be fair, it's his. It's the origin of the in the comic books as well. So they're trying to honor the source material. I get where they're coming from, but with the homecoming Spider-Man, I think they wanted to do something different, and I think it, it worked. And I don't think, and I think that maybe DC can maybe take a a, a page on that. I don't know. Right now, they really like origin films. Oh, we're getting so many fucking origin films from DC. Excuse my oh, French. Ridiculous. But um. <laughs> But like yeah I to, to, yeah we did you guys covered it great I think Spider Man definitely you know if we were gonna really argue this list you know maybe we'll come back to this in a future episode we can argue the placement all I think you're right it deserves to be a little bit higher but let's recap real quick guys for the listeners and for ourselves um, right now we have number ten is Iron Man and number nine is Killmonger number eight is Gamora number seven is Thanos. And number six is Spider-Man Homecoming. Just for everyone tuning in, those those picks are from the MCU, but we're not limiting this list to MCU. They just so happen to be all from the MCU because we're just big fans and they're the most current you know, films that most of us have probably seen. But I have the number fifth pick, and I'm going to throw – I'm going to get us off the MCU real quick, guys, and I'm going to talk about The Crow real quick. Um
0: do it. Yeah,
1: if if you're not familiar with The Crow, his backstory is one of the most effed up backstories in comic book history. And a lot of people don't even know that it was a comic book. Yes, The Crow is a comic book, so it does count on this list. And if you haven't seen The Crow in a while, go back and rewatch it, especially after this discussion. But long and short, the the short of it basically is you have a man, people break in, they beat him up and they force him to watch his wife get raped and murdered. And then he's resurrected by a crow just to seek out vengeance on the people that killed his his wife. And he, there's just something just utterly gruesome and disgusting and, and kind of, a different tone shift to what I thought most of us were going to pick for this. That's why I kind of, I went in and looked for something a little bit more gritty a little bit more dark. And I really loved the film. It, um, it was one of the first um, uh, really, if you want to call it a horror comic film, it was, it was a horror film to me, so to speak, but I also loved the comic book element. So it, it really inspired me as a filmmaker, just because of, I love the visuals and I got into the source material after I saw the film as a kid. But I just think that his motivations and his backstory and his resurrection, and even when he he's resurrected and he becomes a crow he, he's not even himself he's almost a different person, so to speak. He can't really establish relationships with anybody he ha he's cursed with these flashbacks and he's you know like we we said before he's really one track oriented with just kill the bad guy any way you can um but I just um you know the tragedy that bestows upon the character and being angry to your bones having a second being resurrected so to speak but having a second chance being cursed so to speak um not being able to die but then getting the vengeance just being tunnel visioned, be pissed off to your bones and on anger just speaks to me um in some weird macabre dark way but it just does and I, and I really like the character and I kind of picked it because I honestly thought Isaac was going to have some really good things to say about it as well. But I really do think that, you know, just to kind of break up the monotony, the Crow's backstory and his motivation for what he's doing in those films and in the comics, you know, just can't be ignored. So for me, I'm definitely going to put him on my list. I'm going to shoot real quick to Isaac for a quick rebuttal, and then we'll go to Ryan. What do you think about um, the Crow at
0: number five, Isaac? I'll have to look at the Crow as a deeper character. Uh, I like I like what you I like what you said so far. I get the general idea of it. I liked the way um, when I when I watched the the film. I liked the way that um, he interacted with. I, I think something that I always find interesting is when the uh, the the hero of the story or just the 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 just the, the outlier. You know, the outlier. He they interact with the police, and I saw the way he was interacting with this police officer in the film, and it didn't. I remember it didn't strike me as just like a, oh, hero guy talking to the police. Like, the police were kind of in a weird, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like the police were kind of in a weird, like, mid-place with him because they know who he was and they got that he was, like, doing the right thing, but they were also kind of like, nah, you're going about this the wrong way. Right, they had to be in a gray area. Yeah, it's a very gray area
1: for a cop. They're like, what do we do? Do our job better than we can, but it's obviously right. against the law. And we have to uphold it. Yeah, it puts them in a weird, awkward position.
0: Yeah, and I, I like that. I like that. I love it when that happens. I like when the police and it's like my, it's like my, it's like my express relationship with with Commissioner Gordon and and, and Batman. It's kind of weird because every once in a while, you can tell that Commissioner Gordon's kind of not down with Batman's jib, but he kind of. Sits there and he just shrugs his shoulders and he's like, "Ah, what am I gonna do? Beat his ass?" <laughs> you know. So I, I like that. There's there's more dynamics that way, and that kind of opens me up to definitely watching the Crow some more. Um, I can't wait to figure out like more about him, learn more about him because he seems like an interesting character. Plus, gosh, who who plays him? Who plays him? I can't. Brandon Lee. Freaking um, the late, Play, the Brandon, Brandon Lee. Yeah. Yep. son. Okay. I thought. Okay. I didn't know if it was. All right. <laughs> so yeah, because he's he's pretty good. He's pretty good. I kind of got weirded out that Jason Momoa was supposed to play him in a reboot. I was like, it don't even look alike. Whatever. <laughs> no, but um, so. the, you know, the
1: look that Momoa was going for, I just Crow definitely needs to be rebooted. I think that it's still um, it still holds water. The story still kind of um it's i think that it can be fleshed out a whole lot better I, I i think maybe when it came out it didn't i don't really have the numbers in front of me maybe it's a good film maybe i'll review it for my channel um but um i definitely think that i'm not, i'm really anti reboots and shit but i really think that this film could you know um be done well and done great like spawn i really think it's like one of those films it's like ah it's really oh, good in spots and it could be totally reboot. fleshed out yeah, so I, I really think that um, if you just go back and, you know, if, if you it, it's really hard to stomach, but, like, you know, his motivations are macabre and dark. And, uh, you know, I really do think that, um, you know, it, it deserves to be on this list because he's, he's anti-hero. And, you know, I have a thing for that. I'm I'm rambling because I really want to get to to Ryan because I'm curious to see if Ryan's even seen the film. Ryan, what do you think?
2: Shocker, shocker! I have seen the film, and oh. I yeah, I know, kind of crazy, kind of crazy. Eighteen-year-old who's seen the girl. What the fuck? I know, right? But um, the one thing I I'm I, impressed. I have a problem with is that the movie ha- the effects haven't held up so well, in my opinion. But that that can easily just be looked over, so it's not really a big thing. But what I will say is. I'm really impressed with how Bruce Lee's son Brandon Lee fucking acted his ass off in that movie and just got a prop, had to mess up and kill him. It, dude, that's like the worst thing that's ever have to happen. That movie, I honestly feel like, is really good, but just because of everything that happened with Brandon Lee's death, really just downgraded it, if you know what I mean. People were like, um, did they show his death in the movie? And fun fact, the scene where he gets shot, i actually killed him is actually him dying from what I read so if you guys didn't know that but getting a little off track I really do like no, the I, movie i, I see where you guys that coming from No, I actually heard that's
1: not true but... Really?
2: Yeah, um, I, I
1: heard that that's like I might like, have to it's, look it's, into it's, it later I think it's one of those big um, – you're not wrong. I think there's some truth behind it. At some point, I think it, it was one of those things that might have made Final Cut and, it, but didn't really get I released or something like that. I think it
2: into cinemas. before it, it, like, DVD releases, they might have changed it, I think. That's what I think happened.
1: Oh, yeah. There's something – yeah, there's something – but I'm sorry to cut you off, but you're right. Brandon Lee's oh, performance no, no, it's all good. Um, in that film was is really um, good. Go ahead.
2: It Dude, it's fantastic for a man who's known for, his father's known for Kung Fu, nothing else. It's really impressive, and that's why I like it. But getting back to the film, you you see it, bro, the opening scene where you see him and his wife just being beaten mm-hmm. and his wife getting murdered and raped. You can see the, the pain in his eyes. You can tell how much he just wants all these people to die. And the fact that after he dies a year later, he gets resurrected to do the exact thing he wished to do is fantastic. And, like what you said before, Chris, I'm a sucker, a, a pure sucker for anti heroes. That's why I love Venom, the Punisher. That's why I love all the characters because there's so much more yeah, to too. an anti hero. They have a code of law that they follow sometimes. But when they feel but like it's, it's not necessary. It's their it's rule, exactly. their
1: code. They set the bar. They don't cross it. It's whatever they want. Exactly. Not what society wants.
2: It's it's, it's, it's their the rules are based it's on justice. themselves.
1: Unblind it's un unbridled just justice. You 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 kill my family, I'm going to kill you and then everything you love. It's just the eye for an eye kind of a thing and you know, maybe there's, but you're right, man, their own code, their own ways, their own kind of, they set their own rules, they don't abide by society, there's something about those characters, they're just more, you know, not to say I don't like Superman, not to say I don't like Iron Man, and it's not like to say there's no chinks in their armor, or, um, I'm sorry, not Iron Man, I mean, Captain America and Superman, and those, and those kind of characters, you know, not to say I don't, there's not a side of me that, you know, has the hope, and I love those characters, you know, but tonally in characters, if I'm getting into them, you know, it's anti-heroes for me. Isaac, how do you feel about, like, anti-heroes? Just real quick, I thought we'd just talk about that. Are you more of a, a Superman guy or a Punisher? Daredevil, Batman, kind of.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if we're being completely honest, I'm I'm really more of a Deadpool guy. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the wild card, um, you know. Oh, yeah. Right there. I mean, like, it's actually funny that you mentioned Daredevil because uh I love Daredevil. I just I love him so much. <laughs> so yeah. You know, me I, too. I am super down with anti heroes. Super down with them.
1: Awesome. So are we all in agreement that Crow should be on this list and, and that Isaac needs to go back and watch that? And you're right, the opening scene guys That's is right. so it's difficult. It's really it, i, I it's went a back hard and watched scene it. to
2: watch. It really
1: but is but you it it's really important because of what it it's not sense? I don't think it's done gratuitously it's done because in the comic books the the panels are just as bad so it really sets up because honestly if it's just me I don't know about you Ryan I don't really like the crow character all that much because I Neither feel for are. the man but so when are. he comes back he's not I feel bad cuz he's not who he is and he's never going to be who he is. He's completely different. He looks like the guy, but he's just really. Every he's, time you think his humanity is going to come back, it doesn't. Nope. And you just kind of feel like he's cursed. He's cursed, yeah, I, I and he's in a vicious cycle. And you know, I just, I just, I love it. So, yeah. Um, so um, just a real, re- uh, real quick recap, guys. Number ten, we have Iron Man. Number nine is Killmonger. Number eight is Gamora. Number seven is Thanos, or Thanos, or however you want to call it. (laughs) Number six is Spider-Man. Spider-Man Homecoming more specifically, but Spider-Man in general. And number five is The Crow, and we're circling the wagon, so we're going right back to number four, and that's with Ryan. He's got our number four pick. Ryan, what do you got for us?
2: Guys, I, I just want to tell you real quick, I don't think you're going to guess this one. You're going to be like, yo, what the, what, really? Anyway, another point. So my number four pick has got to be Pepper Pot. Crazy. What? I know. what? Pepper you're Pot? What? what? You're yeah. going to have
0: to explain yourself.
2: Right. I, I know, Fucking I'm going to have to. hardcore explain yourself, sir. Like, all right. Give me Christmas. So... First off, I don't want to keep relating back to Iron Man. I feel so bad. I keep doing that, but he just he connects the whole MCU, so you kind of have to. Anyway, so you see Pepper Potts in the very first Iron Man film. She's this very straight up work work schedule. She has to get this done. You have to be here. She's very like a uh, mandatory. She she knows what she has to do. Very proper. She's not very loose end. She she doesn't really take Tony's bullshit. She, she absorbs it, but she still tells him what to do because he's still a child in that aspect. And as you see throughout the MCU trilogies and movies, through each Iron Man, the first Avengers, Homecoming, and Infinity War, you really see how she grows as a woman because she's gone through all these experiences with Tony falling out of an alien wormhole to him taking on the father figure of, of uh, Peter Parker, to taking a fucking spaceship to some planet called Titan that he didn't even know he was going to. But going back to the first Iron Man film, like I said, she's this very proper work based woman. As the Iron Man trilogy goes on, you see that he's been going through this hard time of trying to survive this arc reactor. The thing that's keeping him alive but also killing him at the same time She's seen him at his worst. She's felt for him. She's been in there as support. And may I remind you, she's been Iron Man for about a few seconds in Iron Man 3. So that's pretty badass, if you ask me. She has saved Tony's life in the third Iron Man movie from the Mandarin or uh, whatever that guy's name is. Uh, Bill, Bill, ben Kingsley's name guy. Anyway, the, the fake Mandarin, let's just say it, right? So she's come from this huge uptight prep woman to loosening up and to actually saving the day as Iron Man unintentionally because she knew she had to jump into action to save the man she loves. And then she she kind of really just disappears for a while after the first Avengers movie. But in the first Avengers movie, you really catch up with their relationship. She is a very friendly attitude towards Phil Coulson. They, they pretty much banter. She's loosened up a little bit because of all these previous experiences with um, uh, the very first Iron Man villain. I don't remember the name of it. And then the Whiplash in the second one. And the Whiplash, actually, I'm pretty sure almost killed her at least five times in the second Iron Man movie. And after falling out of the wormhole, Tony got PTSD he would be waking up in the middle of the night and she'd be right there supporting him. And when you truly love somebody like Pepper loves Tony, you feel the emotional pain that they feel. And I will tell you straight up, I am very close with someone. And whenever they hurt, I hurt a little bit too because I hate, I I, I know what it's like to go through the pain someone's going through or because you can relate or you don't want to see the person you love get hurt. So when he's getting hurt, she's also getting hurt because of how much she loves him. And then we jump forward to Homecoming, where she just pops up at the end of the movie, and I'm pretty sure throughout Homecoming, every time Iron Man left Peter, he'd go back to Pepper and tell the stories of how he's being this adolescent child. And he's being a very father fearer as he's complaining about this kid not listening to him, but he's also bringing him up, and that's showing her that he can be a father figure in his own aspect. And then we jump into Infinity War in the very beginning scene, where they're walking in the park, talking about their wedding date. And he just randomly proposed to her, may I add, in Homecoming, because Spidey didn't want to become an Avenger yet, and he needed something to publicly announce. And she was perfectly fine with it. But if we go back to um, the very first Iron Man movie, her motivation was just to... Help Tony with his work and selling. But now she has the motivation to be something more, to be this more prominent figure to Tony. And the more prominent figure to Tony she is, the more Tony wants to be a more prominent figure to the world, if, if that makes any sense to you guys. That, that's um, you No, know,
1: that that you know that you know. At, at first, it, it threw me off. I'm not gonna lie. Your your pick kind of I didn't I didn't even think about Pepper uh, Potts at all when I was thinking about this list. But rethinking about her as you were talking and, and if we were speaking about characters in the MCU, um, you, you know you're spot on. I think you make a, a make you make a lot of great points, and it it is really um I know. Uh, I'm married myself and I have a, a young daughter and I know what it's like to feel pain for somebody and maybe not necessarily can be able to do anything but just be with them and feel for them. And it sucks to go through it. And you know, everybody kind of does if you, If you care about somebody, even if they're not in necessarily a romantic relationship with it, it could be anybody, but you're right. And she's a strong, tough character not just a woman she's just her character her resolve period in the mcu is something to you know we should you know that doesn't really get talked about you're right she's been through a lot she sticks by his side her motivations um kind of fluctuate a little bit but when they realign with what tony is it, it, she's just as much of why tony a hero. is the way tony is because of Pepper, and, uh, you know, there's an old adjective that says, you know, behind that uh, every successful man is a very strong woman, and I'm kind of lucky to be a part of that, because I get to do a lot of cool things, and have a film career, and, and be a teacher, and, and do all these things, and my wife, you know, supports that, and holds me up, and she's, you know, my Pepper pot. And not, not, I'm not saying I'm Iron Man, but like I, I get <laughs> where you're going with it. And I didn't really think about that character too much, but you're right. You know, she's very her motivations are very important to where the Iron Man's motivations kind of go as a character. And I think you you know you make a lot of great points. It's very interesting. Isaac, how do you feel about this type of putt?
0: I actually love it. I love like everything about it. I, right. It's sometimes it's a you're really kind of cool. Recite. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think sometimes people kind of lose sight of that. Like, you don't have to be super to be super, kind of thing. Like, I know a lot of movies kind of that. Exactly.
2: She's just a that human. That's it. Forth. She's just a normal person, everyday person. That's why I love it so much. Exactly. Yeah. and that's She has no super suit, no powers. She's just like a woman that works back. for someone else. Shit.
0: Like,. Oh, let's be yeah, clear. Yeah, Dad, yeah.
2: She has superpowers. She's putting up a of fucking start. She's got exactly. she super uh, She has super sure. fucking
1: patience. Eh? I'm <laughs> a special <laughs> teacher. Oh that is true. That super is true. That is super power. I tell you what. Patience is a not power. <laughs> but, okay, keep oh, my going. goodness. you making great points. But keep going, guys. <laughs> she
0: has super yeah, no, I am just saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is that is like dealing with him is a whole superpower on its own. Mm-hmm. Not even the smartest people in the world can really handle his snarky ass. So, <laughs> um, no, right, right. But no, I just, I just, I like that. That that's that's something you came up with. I like that. This this is a lot of. I I've, I've never met anyone in my life who would say that a fantastic motivational character in the MCU or in the Marvel universe in general would be, pepper. I feel like people overlook her side character as I used to as well. But now that you bring that, you know, into the, into the fray, I really like that that opinion is out there because it shows me that side characters aren't side characters and that representation matters, especially when you have side characters, because these are the kind of things that people will latch to and see and be like, Hey, the writer wrote that in intentionally. And I resonate." And I think that says a lot about who you are as a human being and, and what you enjoy. So, uh, hell yeah. And awesome. I,
1: you know, to I'm go off with what you're saying, Isaac, is I like that, you know, it, it, it's obviously clear that Pepper Pop is not a side character to you, Ryan. And we may overlook that. And some of, you know, all these characters. That we see other people are seeing completely differently. and I think that the way that you see pepper is kind of it's refreshing and it's unique and it's right in our faces. And if you stop and think about it, you know she is very underutilized like, like I did the uh, I, I thing, but you know her motivations are just as human as ours are. So you know she definitely deserves to be on this list after you artistically. Put it the way that you did. I'm kind of, you know, it's kind of cool, right? So I'll go right back to you real quick with your final thoughts on Pepper.
2: First off, I bet you guys weren't expecting that from a mile away. No, nah, <laughs> so, that
0: exactly. was not, not even for a second.
2: And going back to what I said before, the reason why I wanted Pepper so high is simply because she's just like us talking she has no powers other than dealing with Tony's bullshit but the only time she ever got a power was when the mandarin almost killed her it was it was forced upon her and from what i know i don't really know if she still has those powers or not because after iron man 3 she hasn't shown up until homecoming the last two seconds pretty much and i honestly can't blame people for not thinking anything other than Pepper Potts being the side character to Tony because they haven't made her a very prominent figure in anything else other than the first three Iron Man movies. But that's what makes her character so great. Just because she's not prominent on film doesn't mean what she does off the screen or what the story does off the screen has a huge effect afterwards than what we see. And that's why I wanted her so high.
1: Yeah, and, you know, um, and maybe I'm just I'm just speculating, but maybe the reason why we didn't get so much pepper is maybe some kind of scheduling conflict with actually, you know, with Gwyneth Paltrow's actual schedule. Maybe that's why we didn't get maybe. so much of her. Maybe. But now that you explain it the way that you do, man, I, I don't, you know, I don't see yeah you know, i'll be honest man i'm it's gonna be really kind of tough to see tony in and 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 maybe captain America leave the m c u or we're gonna get a fresh be of of new heroes hard i i i can't believe i'm gonna get you know mildly you know teary eyed a little bit about um these characters because i'm i'm not even gonna lie you grown you grow to care about them and um Isaac knows this, and, and, and most of the listeners do, because I, I said this, I was late to the party. I didn't get to the MCU until, like, 2013, because I kind of I brushed it off. I brushed it off, man. I was like, I'm DC dark all the way. That's bullshit. Oh, no. So but one day I got <laughs> bored, right? So I watched, so I, I, I liked Iron Man, right? I did like it, but when I found out they are making a shared universe, I was at a, just a point in my life where I was like, I'm serious, everything needs to be serious, I'm dark, I really like the Nolan thing that was in my head really bad, and Man of Steel was really cool to me, and then so I watch Avengers, and I go, you know what, this isn't, this isn't cool. bad, so I watch Avengers, and I'm like, cool, so I'm like, oh man, I gotta go back and watch Iron Man 2, and I did, I, 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 then I started falling in love with them, and I kind of started, I, I let my guard down, and going, and I remember loving these characters as a kid. And, you know, not to say I don't love the dark DC stuff. There, I just didn't think at the time when I was, you know, I was, like, young. I was, like, 25, 26, 27, 28 when those things were coming. And I didn't think there was two sides. I didn't think you could, you know, like both. I really didn't think you could, as stupid as, as it is. But I really didn't think you could. When I started understanding what Kevin Feige was trying to do from a filmmaking standpoint, That's what hooked me in because, oh, shit, I'm a filmmaker. I get this shit. I understand what he's trying to do. It's innovative. It's new. It's different. It's not just to sell toys necessarily, but let's be real. It kind of is, but they're trying to do superheroes, and these actors are actually putting in time, effort, and there's love and care put into it, and you learn this over film and film and film and the directors that they bring in, and who would have thought that the two guys that did Arrested Development would turn out to be these phenomenal directors with these MCU films. Like I would have guessed, not I, I would not, I would not have even thought about the talent that they that they have over there. Marvel Studios is just fucking phenomenal, and you have. And so I let my guard down. I, I and I, I showed respect for the films, and I ended up loving it. I loved Ragnarok, Black Panther, just just hype, all that shit. I fell in love with it, and I came to, to the, you know, I'm a geek. I just kind of embraced it, and just went in dark. So, from for me coming in late to the MCU, and and there's just so much character development. I'm really gonna be, um, you know, I'm gonna be sad to see, you know, Tony go. I, I, you know, I, I, I personally think something dark's gonna happen. I think maybe Tony comes back as like an AI. I don't know how they're gonna play it in Phase Four, but film. Um, Far from Home is actually going to be the first film to enter that phase, and we're going to get you know Captain Marvel and all that stuff coming at us and shit. So it's going to be really for me. It's going to be hard. I really love Robert Downey Jr. Um, his acting I love ten years. It, right, I love it. Years. He's 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 got a great comeback story. You know, he had a rough couple of years, and then you know John. You know, they didn't they didn't really want him as Iron Man and all this kind of stuff, and it was Tom Cruise. who John to to for him. Yeah, he did, and it changed Robert Downey Jr.'s life, and it changed cinema. You know, you can't argue that it, it, it didn't change the cinema, and everyone, now everyone's got a shared universe franchise. It's ridiculous. So, it's crazy. I mean, you gotta, give it, you gotta give it props, and personally, me, not to be a dead horse, I'm just gonna be a little sad, and Homecoming, for me, when I watched it, I felt like somebody kicked me in the nut. Like, I did not feel hope I, did, I felt dread for the first time in, in any of the MCU films. And if you want to call you know, Sore in the Dark World, I hated that film. But I was like, oh my god, this shit's getting real. Like, I felt like it just was awesome. You know, for me, it. I don't like soap operas, but for me, this is the closest thing to I guess what you would do with a cliffhanger and kind of spice things up for, you know, the next season, if you want to call the a phase, if you want to bring it into that kind of terminology. But Isaac... Uh, how do you feel? Are you going to be kind of, are you hyped about Phase 4? Are you sad that all these kind of establishing characters are leaving? How do you feel?
0: I'm perfectly fine with established characters uh, being escorted out and us making room for new ones. Um, as much as I love the old characters, as much as I love the characters that we know and the actors that have come to play them, the things we just learn about them, I love them. But it is time for a new I think it's definitely time for a new generation of heroes to start popping up. Uh, I love that Captain Marvel is about to come into the forefront, and uh, I love all the hype that surrounds her. Even uh, Kevin Feige also stated that uh, she is confirmed. I think she's confirmed. I don't know if he said that, but he said that she is the most powerful uh, character to come into the MCU to date, which has me incredibly excited. Um, I, I'm fine with that. Uh, I've been, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been waiting for Iron Man to leave the MCU for, like, four years.
2: So, good riddance. Uh, Bye, wait, if i if I'll be hey, honest, you're i like, Iron Man.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, listen, like, I like Iron Man. He's great in everything. But I think people throw other characters under the bus for him. How so? People, I don't know, kind of the way everybody's throwing Star-Lord under the bus right now, and like for this, for the same for like for reasons uh, less, less good and don't and, here's the thing Star-Lord, here, Star-Lord didn't mess up Star-Lord didn't do anything wrong I don't know why anyone's mad at him <laughs> not not a single soul, I don't get why he did it i don't I'll get why anyone's upset with him he didn't do anything wrong <laughs> meanwhile Meanwhile, Tony Stark barely caused Armageddon and the extinction of human life with an AI. So, <laughs>
2: hey, but really... He fixed
0: it, though. He fixed
2: it. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's,
0: that's great. Oops. He fixed it. Oops. That's great. Oops. He it. Oops. That's great. Oops. He... Hey, you know Bruce what? Is I guess, is what? Guilty. Bruce Banner sent he's guilty for creating a murder bot.
1: You know? Tony <laughs> lost <laughs> it, but Bruce helped him create it. Let's be fair.
0: Bruce is some of the um, I don't know, cause like so Tony might have fixed Ultron, but he did because the casualties of Ultron still carry into now. So, no. <laughs> Oh, younger, you
1: know, but it makes a good. It makes a good point, and you know what? I'm gonna bring this back. To, you know, I'm gonna I'm going to circle back to this topic in later. So you right. you
2: right.
1: All right. So real quick, let's recap. We got number ten is Iron Man. Number nine is Killmonger. Killmonger. Number eight is Gamora. Number seven is Thanos. Number six is Spider-Man. Spider-Man: Homecoming, but Spider-Man, just in general. Number five is the Crow. Number four is Pepper Potts. and Isaac, you have the number three pick. So what
0: do you got for us? Alright, guys. I wanna talk about one of my favorite villains ever. We're and, and this is comic continuities. These are I'm not gonna it's there's no specific continuity to this character. Um, it's just stuff he's done over multiple different issues. Um who here is familiar with uh, otherwise known as Carnage?
2: Oh, shit. I love about
0: Carnage.
1: This, Bro, the serial killer or the, the awesome. Carnage character or his or human yeah. counterpart or both? Both? Both, technically. Yeah, okay, both. Cool. Yeah, I would consider yeah, yeah, that one cool. of the same That's a total Isaac pick, by the way. I love it. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: Carnage. Um I love the idea of Cassidy. I love the fact that they gave I, I whenever I was younger, I envisioned villainy as the worst of the worst of the worst and by that i meant i didn't mean crime bosses who didn't get their hands dirty i didn't mean people who ordered stuff or, or ordered other people around to kill other people or I liked characters that just got dirty about it. It got in it and if if carnage if Carnage and Cletus Cassidy are not the, the, the perfect incarnations of what bloodthirst truly looks like as a motivation, I don't know what is. This guy is literally only motivated by killing and causing as much destruction as humanly possible, because that was always his M.O. That was always the guy's M.O. Serial killers have lots of reasons for the way they do things, but the motivation is that they want to feel something. They want to feel the rush. They want to kill, and that's what Cletus Cassie did. And who better to pair him up with than one of the most bloodthirsty symbiotes that roam the galaxy? So hardcore that even Venom can't actually stop him himself. This guy has done numerous horrible things in the name of just because. And I think it's almost his lack of motivation that drives me. Carnage threw a baby out the window for to <coughs> cause a distraction. That was it. That was it. it's fucking he crazy. Caught, he 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 because uh, yeah because him and Spider Man and Venom were all fighting, and a woman from the apartment upstairs from them I guess in the building they were in, she she knocks on the door and she's like, hey, you guys woke up the baby. And Carnage comes out and he's like, what babies? I love babies, and he just takes the baby and throws it out the window, just just because. <laughs> I think that's Damn. super hilarious. And, like, yeah, that's funny. I don't think that motivations have to be clear or good all the time. And I don't think that Cletus Cassidy and Carnage have a clear goal in mind. Maybe I, I, I haven't read enough of the comics. Maybe I'm not paying attention. I would love for the Geek 5 Nation to call me out on that if that's the case. But I do know that I just I love the way that Carnage operates. Because he operates in chaos, yet. Liquidity, uh, and just I don't know. I don't see a distinct. I see a distinct lack of motive. A distinct, a distinct lack of reason. But motivation is something this guy has. He's got it in full. He don't stop. Neither does Venom, and I, I'll, I'll give Venom that. Venom and
2: Carnage. So what? What's, what's his, what's cool his motivation?
0: Just kill. What is his motivation? To kill. That's it. I think that's just about it. I think his only real motivation is to kill. Them to murder, because what else is there to do? He's a symbiote that... The, the only thing that guy seems to ever fear in the galaxy was what? Silver Surfer? Only because Silver Surfer was formerly the Herald of Galactus, and that scared the shit out of him, because who wouldn't that <laughs> scare? You know? I, I think that this guy wants to kill. And the fact that Carnage was super down with that. The symbiote was down with that. They didn't have an argument. They didn't have it. Their motivations were clear. So he just wanted to enact revenge on those, who wanted, on those who crossed him. He did it, and then he kept killing, and the symbiote was bloodthirsty. I don't think there's anything better than that. You have two... It just, cause it, 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 I hate to bring this up. I hate to say this. It's stupid fun, but man, a symbiotic relationship.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Oh,
0: jeez!
1: We just hit the fucking seven on the cheese factor with that one. I sure did. <laughs> but no, but, I, yeah. I, so, Isaac, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you got yeah. two, two people, the two things, two entities, motivated by just sheer carnage, and they come together. You know, so that that's, that's yeah. interesting. That's an interesting kind of. It's an interesting pick, and I don't really know much about the Cletus Cassidy character. All I know is in the, it kind of freaked me out, you know, as a kid, when I this, this character and Carnage, and it was the first time I really saw Spider-Man kind of, like, get his ass whooped, and I was like, well, how do you how do you defeat something like this when you have to go to Venom to help you and stuff like that? It, it, it's caused a lot of great um, Spider-Man comic books and even, like, you know, Venom and, and stuff like that, um and not, you know, I'm really hyped, honestly, about the, the new uh, a Venom movie, by the way. I'm really curious to see where they go Me with too. it, so I'm glad that you kind of brought it up. So, you know, Ryan, how do you feel about Carnage? Are you um, are you up to speed on, on him at all?
2: Uh, to be honest, I love Carnage, but I actually don't know too much about him other than, Claudius Cassidy is a mass murderer. He just loves killing people, and so does the Carnage symbiote or symbiote, however they want to pronounce it. Because you know, fuck that. It's what? It's symbiote. Other than that? Symbiote. Is. It's symbiote. It a, oh my god. It is not. not, not. With this, it is. We're it not throwing with not. this venom trailer shit. No, we're not. <laughs> <with this Venom laughs> no, we're not. Symbiote. Continue,
0: Ryan, please.
2: No. <laughs> so like I was saying, I really don't know other than. It, dude, they're both a bloodthirsty beasts. one being human, one being a symbiote from outer space. And the only thing that scares him is a giant fucking planet-looking motherfucker called Galactus. And a, his herald, a, a silver man that rides a silver surfer. I don't know what to tell you. He is crazy. And the fact that it took Spider-Man and Venom to team up almost to take him down... This just blows my mind because Cletus Cassidy is crazy in his own mind. And then you times that by, I want to say like five, when you introduce the current symbiote, and you just get mass destruction. And something as simple as bloodlust is still a great motivation to me because they're simply crazy, and that's what keeps them going in life is bloodlust. So I couldn't agree more, and uh, that's all I got to say about them since I don't know too much.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of there with you too Ryan. I don't really know too much. I wish I did and I'm kind of curious now to know a little bit um more. I know that they teased it in the in the venom. They teased him in the venom trailer, but um uh, I remember as a kid collecting their the action figures and um a friend of mine brought him brought him over and um told me all about him and I was like that is it insane. Like how how the hell, you know? I was just, I just really thought that it was, you know, it kind of odd and it, it, it kind of dark, even, even, you know, back as a kid. But you're right, that that bloodlust or that blinding anger is a hell of a motivation. And when you got two things, two, two entities that are driven by that same motivation, you put them together, you get a hell of a character and you get hell of a character motivation. Isaac, I think that's a pretty cool pick. Any last uh, thoughts on Carnage before uh, we move on?
0: I got none, but uh, the only thing I really want to say about it is if you guys want to know more about Carnage and you want to know more about Venom but you don't have the time, just remember that uh, Sony's Venom is coming out October 5th of this year, Um, and so be on the lookout for that. I'm super fucking excited for Tom Hardy to be Venom because I thought he was great as Bane, so why not Venom?
1: Fuck it. I could not... Yeah, I could not agree with you more. Yes, I'm super excited about it as well. Tom Hardy, um to me never gives a dull performance. I'm such a nerd that I love Tom Hardy way back when he did his first starring role as young Clone Picard back in Star Trek Nemesis. I I loved him then. Um I love him now. I think it's a it's a great casting choice. I think he's going to do something I think they're going to do something interesting with the, with the character. But I will say that you know, uh, I'm not I'm not getting too hyped because I, I'm still I I, I bet there's going to be some spots that we're going to scratch our heads in. But that's for another that's for another that's for another discussion.
2: But yeah. Moving
1: right, along, moving right along, I think that I have the number two pick, so to speak, and I'm I'm kind of struggling between two two really cool characters and I don't really want to bring up Joker or the Batman. Cause I really think that um, we're all aware of their motivations and why they're cool. Um, we can yeah. argue those two topics, I think for a whole nother show. So I'm just going to, I'm going to go with Frank Castle and I'm going to go with the Punisher. Yeah. This, this is another guy, right. With a freaking traumatic, tragic, you know, origin story kind of to spark his motivation Frank Castle was special forces. He was taking out bad guys. He was um, working, you know, on doing all, you know, all the special off stuff. He's on vacation with his family. They witness a mob hit. The mob kills his family because, of course, there can't be any fucking witnesses. Frank survives, and he just goes bullshit bananas and just takes vengeance. And you have to – there's a part of you that has to kind of relate to Frank Castle. I mean, I don't know how you're going to react, but if someone takes my family out and I have the opportunity and I'm trained to do it, I might do something stupid. I'm not. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying I, I, I would, but I'm just saying, you know, in a hypothetical situation, I might. You know, it's not far from what I think a human being would do. Now we can argue about his tactics all we want, but we can understand being angry to your bones, being so upset. And, 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 you know, when, when you're married and you have kids guys and you love something, you know, it could be anything, but when you love something so much that you can't imagine it not being there and it's not there anymore, it's just a a gut-wrenching feeling that it, it could change, you know, even the best men, you know, and Frank was just a family man trying to do what was right. And, you know, out of this tragedy and because of his training He's able to embrace the dark, so to speak, and, beca- and set a line of justice and, and take it upon himself to do something about it. And I don't know, there's something about me that loves that um, take-charge attitude, not mass killing people to get things done, but I really do love the fact that I'm a self-starter. I, you know, educate myself. I, I don't wait for a green light. If I, you know, I want to do something, I learn how to do it, and I do it. It's just the way that I am. I don't really need any more motivation than that. Um, he didn't really need any more motivation than that either when his family died and you just create this awesome character who's a, who's a Batman that kills if you want to call it that, but he's a great contrast to the daredevil who also is an anti-hero in his own right. And then again, you know, we're also still talking about Frank Castle and the Punisher being one of those anti-heroes that we all love. Anyway, I just, I love, I love the character. I love his motivation. Um, the the film adaptations, not so much, so to speak. There are parts that I like. I really do like the, the Punisher series on Netflix. I think they're doing oh, a great job fantastic. with that character as well. And I just, you know, it's I, most of my picks come from tragedy, I know, and they're really awful, and they come from murders of families and stuff like that. But for, for some reason – it, it 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 rains and there's a reason why they make characters like that. I think because people can relate to that in some regards, You talk to anybody and they've you know they've experienced loss, they've experienced tragedy. Those are human conditions, and you're just seeing them on a different scale. You're kind of projecting yourself onto them. And I think Frank Castle is someone that I you know I could see myself snapping. You know if something bad happens to me because. I'm not trained to do it, but I'm stupid enough to do it. I'll be honest with you. So if something bad was to happen, I could totally relate to that character. And to you know, cut myself a little short here, I just think he deserves to be on this list. Ryan, what do you think about The Punisher?
2: Um, Chris, couldn't agree more with you, to be honest. Uh, didn't really like the two interpretations movie-wise. I thought, um, I forgot his name, Thomas Jane was okay. He did a decent job. The film was okay. Uh, the second one, Warzone, really wasn't good at all. The only thing I liked about it was um, uh, Jigsaw's facial look, the way, the way they made his face look messed up. I really loved the design for that. I thought it was really scary and intimidating, but that's as much as I can give to it. But the Netflix show is fantastic, I think. It is my second favorite Marvel TV show right behind Daredevil, simply. But John Bernthal brings this just energy, charisma, and this new depth to the character simply because of how crazy mentally disturbed he is. And that really helps explain who the Punisher is. He was your very typical family guy who lost everything in a matter of a day almost without it, him even seeing it coming. And he wasn't even supposed to be alive to see that happen. He was supposed to die with this family but the sad part is he still survived. So not only was he dealing from the pain and the agony of seeing right, his family point. die, he was already fucked up. He could barely move, talk, yada, 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 because he got so mentally, he got so physically messed up from what they did trying to kill him that he was suffering from both ends. And that is only half of the story. The other half was the police wouldn't help him, so he had to go on his own vendetta against him. And luckily, he had the training and knew who they were, but it, it just brings this new character depth about what a family man would do to avenge or even just save his family in general. And what I mean save, not actually save them, but save their spirits in a sense, like save who they were so people don't just see it as, oh, they got brutally murdered because of this and nothing happened to them because of this. But Frank Castle wants to let those people pay for taking away his whole family and leaving him behind to suffer. And not only just suffer for the moment, but suffer for the rest of his life, knowing that he is a prominent father figure, as seen in society as the father should protect his family till the day he dies. And to see that he was the only one to survive not being able to protect his family is the thing that emotionally takes him down the rabbit hole, and I think that is what makes a great motivation for the character. No, I couldn't. I
0: couldn't
1: agree more, man. That was, that was very well said. Um, you're right, and you know he's he he's living with the fact that he he should have died with his family, and you know no no father wants to outlive you know their entire family. You know they you know they're supposed to be. You know, my daughter's supposed to bury me. I'm not supposed to bury her. And I, can ima- I can only imagine, what, you know, the turmoil that he's going through and then him waiting on the cops and not being able to do anything. And then, you know, having the training, like he said, and he's like, well, shit, I'm going to put matters into my own hand. And you've got great character motivation, and there's a reason why he's a really good anti-hero or vigilante. Um, so to speak, and you know, you really kind of—I agree—the um, Punisher series on Netflix is probably the best film adaptation of the of the Punisher um, to you know today. Yeah. I, honestly, I would love to—you know, as corny as it is—I would love to see him kind of don a really a, a more comic book take. I would love to see a little bit more of um, the Punisher costume, just because I don't know, maybe I'm a fanboy, but
2: me personally—I anyway, know they're doing I it in season to, two though.
1: I know they're doing it in season two with the bunch uh, of... It would be cool to see the so white gloves like. with the black outfit. I think that would be kind of neat if they put a white bandana on him or something like that, that would be badass. But you just see him with two guns in his hand. I remember having the action figure as a kid, and you would put, like, little things in the back. If you clicked them, it would, like, spark like he was shooting his guns. Like, I, I love that. I remember the Christmas that I got it. So I was, you know, I've, I've always kind of, like, loved that character. Isaac, how do you feel about the Punisher?
0: Oh, well, I like The Punisher. Um, I, I haven't watched the, the Netflix series all the way through. Um, I got pretty tired of it pretty quickly. Um, not that it's not good. It's just I had an external force who was kind of shoving it down my throat at the time, and I was just <laughs> not not digging it. But once I go back to it of my own accord, I'll go back. And, you know. um, but in terms of, like, motivation, no he has a fantastic motivation I think that um, and, and here's the thing, I like his conviction because uh, when, I was, when I was younger I did get frustrated because like you can only see Batman put away Joker so many times before you're like okay, this guy has killed hundreds, if not thousands of people and it wouldn't be a terrible thing if you let him die so why not you know, and then it's like why why not let criminals die? Why not have criminals die for the things they do? Why not have them pay true penance? And that's what Frank Castle wanted to do. He wanted to pay his own penance by forcing other people <laughs> to pay theirs. Um and that that was something I, I distinctly enjoyed. I remember he he he's my favorite part. Of Daredevil season two, he's my favorite yeah. part of season two. Obviously, he's the biggest part of it, but it, it made him great. It made it great. I w- I loved everything from from his introduction to him hiding in the house to the court trial. It was just really neat all the way through, and I, I I like Frank. Frank has a decent motivation because he's driven by revenge, but he doesn't he doesn't cower behind anything else. He tells you flat out, "That is what I'm doing." You're damn right, I'm 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 vengeful. You're damn right, I'm gonna do this because I want to avenge my family, and I'll do that in any way that it takes. Sure, there are other consequences along the there are other things along the way that make him think that make him realize that what he does is kind of bigger than him. But he also kind of doesn't give a shit. He kind of doesn't care. He he he's aware that there are things out there bigger than him. But he stays true to what he wants to do. He stays true to what he believes. And ultimately, the, the, at the end of the day, it comes down to what does he want. And I think that that's a great thing to have. He doesn't lose sense of self. And, and honestly, Frank, Frank Castle in general, fantastic character. I just, I don't see how we wouldn't be able to include him. Honestly, he's a fantastic anti hero because he's a hero yeah. but he kills people and uh, sometimes I think there's not enough of this. <laughs>
1: no, yeah. no, Isaac, I, I agree with you and not to kinda of cut you short a little bit guys, but we're we're running on the oh, yeah. five minute buzzer and and um you know, make great points there, Isaac. Um but Ryan, real quick you have number one and you have about four minutes to get it out. So real quickly <laughs> what do you have for your Final pick.
2: Alright, so for my final pick, really weird, but I wanna say the villain Electro in the Spider Man universe in the Marvel Cinematic universe. And you're probably thinking, Why Electro, this is really weird for a villain, not Amazing Spider Man Yeah, you've only seen him in Amazing Spider Man two, but that, personally that did not give him justice. But Okay. To be fair, I could resonate with the character and that's why I chose him more. Because you see this character Max villain. He's this guy that's been pushed out of society. Everyone throws him to the side. And whenever they need something, it's something to do with the work related. And it's not something to hang out with him or keep him socially active with everybody. He's only worked with people just to get money. No one wants to hang out with him. He's pretty much an outcast. I found love for Spider-Man who he thinks is his friend because he is quote unquote the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and that he must think in his head like, wow, he must be my first friend, I never had friends, I can't, wow, I'm so blessed to have this friend helping me and saving my life. But what he doesn't realize is that's just a quote line to make people feel more safe and he really thinks that Spider-Man is his friend when no one else is his friend And all he has been is bullied throughout his whole life. So him having this one friend makes him obsessed with that one friend. And eventually he gets into this accident. And he's never been seen before this accident. Once he goes into this accident, he's this guy who can shoot electricity out of his hands and his body. And no one's ever seen that. So he gets all this attention brought to him. But he doesn't like it because he's still seen as an outsider He's being seen for a reason that he doesn't want to be seen. He wants to be seen as a person who helps and not harms. Meanwhile, the public social media is showing him that he is this guy who can kill people by shooting electricity out of his hands. And then Spider-Man comes into the picture and tries to calm him down as if he's this bad person when he personally doesn't feel like this bad person. And people drive him to the motivation that maybe he is this bad person that everyone's making him out to be, because he's unintentionally hurting people to the point where he starts intentionally hurting people, and that's where Spider-Man comes in and tries to just take him away, and that leads him down him down the path. That, that's pretty much it.
1: No, um, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting pick. And, I, and yeah, I don't really like that film me personally. Um, I think there 's a lot of tone shift problems with it too many forced villains. I think that it is that 's a whole nother topic, but interesting that that character does kind of go through some arcs and his motivation it, it's pretty solid for the most part um but real quickly, guys, with the last two minutes, I want to say thanks for for coming on Isaac thanks for joining us a little late, but it was great to have you both on Ryan. I think you did a fantastic job for joining us real quick. I want to recap the list. At number 10, we have Iron Man. Number 9 is Eric Killmonger. Number 8 is Gamora. Number 7 is Thanos. Number 6 is Spider-Man. Number 5 is The Crow. Number 4, Pepper Potts. Number 3, Carnage. Number 2, Punisher. And number 1, Electro. Guys, it's been a great evening. Listeners, thanks for sticking with us, guys. I had a great night. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Oh, All right.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me. Have a Thanks for tuning in, guys. See you on the next one. Peace
1: All right, guys. Night. Have a good night.